Hey, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to the Bodybuilding.com podcast. Uh, it's an interesting week here because we're doing a whole bunch of podcasts at once with athletes from the Bodybuilding.com team, new team members. They run the gamut in terms of you know how they express strength, um, the bodies they build doing it. And earlier this morning, for example, we talked to Rob Philippus, one of the largest strength athletes you'll find around. And now we're talking to Alyssa Ritchie, one of the smallest ones on the team, I, I would imagine. <laughs> um, but you want to talk relative strength? She can clean and jerk double her body weight, mm-hmm. pull Very just about impressive. three times off the floor, right? So you yep. can do it fast. You can do it slow. Yep. Um, she's qualified for team, team USA. So the plan is to compete in weightlifting at the 2020 Olympics, right? Correct. Okay. And she, yeah, she's also one of the newest members of teambodybuilding.com. So you'll be seeing a lot more of her on the site and in our social media. Thanks for coming and talking with us. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. Sure. Absolutely. And the, so the Olympics is really just like the latest chapter and it seems like a really long journey for you, right? <laughs> yeah. It's not like super simple. Like everyone thinks it is. It's not like you go and win one meet and you're all of a sudden there, you're all of a sudden make team USA and you're on the Olympic team. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, you have to make like six qualifying meets and they're all based, uh, different levels. There's gold, um, silver and bronze. And basically you have to get these Roby points at them. So the higher your combined snatch plus your clean and jerk mm-hmm. numbers are, which is your total, that total is the amount um, of Roby points you get. So if I get the higher total I get, the more Roby points I get. Okay. So each girl gets Roby points as long as they make one lift, one snatch, one clean and jerk. And based off those Robies accumulated over the process of two years leading up to the Olympics in 2020, it depends on which top four girls are going to be chosen for Team USA oh, for okay. the Olympics. So that's kind of yeah. how the process goes. It's really complicated actually in terms of trying to make sure that you're making a total right. and not going too heavy where you miss your total completely. There's also women fighting in each weight class for mm-hmm. the point points. And you got to understand too, like you're not going just against your weight class. You're going against all the women. You're also going against the international women, which mm-hmm. is kind of quite impossible at some points. Oh, absolutely. They're not quite all clean. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but they're actually honing in on that and, um, busting those women. We saw about six out of eight Thailand really? team members get busted at the wow. last competition. So that was kind of nice. <laughs> so it's really interesting. Yeah. Because this is, it is the ultimate global strength sport. Like you, but you've competed in Turkmenistan. And, yeah. I mean, where, where else have you competed? Um, I've done, well, I'm new. So I'm two and a half years into weightlifting actually this month. Um, so I'm one of the newer members of Team USA, actually the newest. Um, I have competed in so the first year, actually, every meet was in America, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted to travel. And one was in Anaheim, California. One was in Miami, Florida. And then the next year, Turkmenistan. I've been in Germany. Um, I've been in Dominican Republic. And then this Pan Ams, which is in six weeks. We're six weeks out from Pan Am Championships. Mm-hmm. And that's in um, Guam, Guatemala. Oh, so, cool. So, yeah, that's I mean, I'm not really excited for that one, but mm-hmm. then Worlds is in Thailand. But mm-hmm. since all the doping happened, right. they're not sure if they're going to host it in Thailand. But I think they're going to. Really? I mean, that's it's pretty, too late. pretty late, you would yeah. think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, the venue would be completely hard to find for a new one. So, so, so one thing one thing that I love about, about your story is that it starts where mine did, which is on the farm. Yeah. Yes. Shoveling crap, <laughs> yep. feeding animals. Yep. Right? Actually, a funny story <laughs> about that. So, yeah, I did grow up on a farm. Um, I was like. Cattle? Yeah, I raised cattle. I took them to 4-H, showed my animals. Oh, you were in 4-H yeah. too? Yeah. Oh, yep. man. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got like second one year mm-hmm. for showing, showmanship or whatever. I can't remember which one's called. There was like two classes. Right. You take the cows in and show them. There's the, there's the meat quality and then there's the showmanship. Right. Yes, right. and yeah. I think mm-hmm. I got showmanship second in showmanship. Um but that was my best year because I actually worked with my animal. I actually hated it at the time. <laughs> Everybody does, but they all look back on it fun. <laughs> I know. Me too. I hated it. I know. Yeah. It's so funny, right? And like going out, it taught me a lot about uh, hard work because mm-hmm. we had to get up at five in the morning as, um, how old was I? Probably like 13, 12, feeding animals. And then at night I would go and sit in the barn and talk to my dad mm-hmm. just on the fence. They're going to say, talk to your cow. Oh, well, I would. <laughs> you would. I know it's weird, but you do. No, absolutely. You, you, <laughs> you, can, have a, you can have a fine conversation with a sheep. I've They're great yeah. listeners, I found. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Yeah, they don't talk back. <laughs> Tell uh, them about your Olympic dream. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so I'd just chill with my dad and help carry buckets and mm-hmm. – um, 
you know, move the straw around. We also had a rope in our barn, so we'd always like build little forts and swing on the rope. Cool. Um, it was good. It mm. was it taught us hard work, and my dad, you know, always made us do all the work. Well, and that's Girl, I mean, that's one, that's one thing that I that I liked about it as well was you know, regardless of what you want to do for play or for exercise or for anything else, the work always has to be done. Yes, right. So it's like you have you learn early on, like yeah, you can even as a kid, you can push it as hard as you want, but you got to leave a little in the tank because stuff's got to be done and Absolutely. it's got to be done tonight. It's got to be done tomorrow. Yep. It's just that there's a certain structure that I, that I feel like I look back on that and I think, yeah, I, I learned so much just from that, just from putting in all those reps, carrying hay around and things like mm-hmm. that. You know, what was your, uh, what was your least favorite activity that now you look back on and you're like, okay, that was actually pretty good for From me. the farm? Yeah. Um, Oh gosh, this is what I was going to tell you actually. So my dad uh, hated cleaning the poop out of okay. the barn. So, so it's like pitchfork and yep, the mm-hmm. pitchfork and then the <laughs> scraper. Do you remember the scraper? Sure. The freaking flat thing. Uh, so <laughs> it was kind of like uneven pavement, so it wouldn't scrape real well. So you get caught in like the divots and stuff of the cement. Mm-hmm. And I remember like being like waiting till the last minute to clean mm-hmm. the um, sawdust out because we didn't use hay. Are we? It's not hay. It's not. We didn't use straw either. We used sawdust. Okay. So we'd be like, my dad would be like, all right, listen. He's like, you, it's been five weeks and you have not cleaned your um, <laughs> stall out. Your stall. And I was Clean like, your stall. Dad, I was like, okay, I'm going out and doing it. And it was like a 97 degree day. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking <laughs> in with little short shorts. And remember, I'm like 14, right? like years old. So I'm little, um, which makes no difference now because I'm still little. Um, but I walked into the barn and I remember going in and walking right back into the house to get like a bandana Mm -hmm. to wrap around my face. And I got one and I put it around my face. I had my little belly shirt on and I just grabbed the wheelbarrow and the shovel and the pitchfork and the scraper and went out, started doing it. And Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, the smell was unfreaking real because I tell you what, it was so bad. It was so like... It just hits you like a brick wall because you get under there and like, oh, I know this is going to be really explicit, but <laughs> the pee in the poop, the oldness of it like, right. was just like, Ooh, and I was like, dad, he's like, I don't care. You're mm-hmm. cleaning it out or you're grounded. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll clean it out. And dad was the scary one. Mom mm-hmm. was the cool one. So we had to listen to dad. Mm-hmm. Dad was cool too. He's just the more strict one. Mm-hmm. See, and not, not to get too explicit, but I, I had the, I had those experiences as well, but we would also just have occasionally in the heat of the summer, sheep would just fall over with a heart attack. And you're yeah. like, oh crap, we got to get this thing in the back of the truck. Like me and my dad or me mm-hmm. and my dad and my sister out there. Talk about smells. I know. And, but you just, you get close. You think I'm going to die. I'm going to yeah. throw up. My, oh. I, my head is going to explode. But then you just do it. You have to <laughs> do it. smell yeah. kind of terrible when they're alive. Oh, so, uh, pigs mean, are worse. Yeah. Pigs yeah. are yeah, pig, disgusting. Pigs are the That's worst, why like yeah. I don't eat them because like literally just, oh, <laughs> they're just so gross and they're so dumb. They're like, they're, they're supposedly they're just, they, the smart ones. They are the smart ones to be quite <laughs> honest, but they're just like, they just walk around and all, yeah, whatever. And anyway, they weren't my so, so you were, you were a gymnast as well at this point, right? Yeah. So you're Nine like just old. doing uh, handstands and uh, gymnastics work out there in, in the stalls. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was nine when I was a gymnast age, like 12 and a half. Um, I was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Actually, I was really good. I'm really not modest with this part of my life. <laughs> um, I was actually striving, wanted to be in the Olympics. Um, my coach was kind of crazy. So I had to either pull out or realize that I had to deal with the strict intensity mm-hmm. of the coach. Mm-hmm. Now, looking back at it, I'm very thankful for her because it's taught me a lot of mental uh, abilities and also a lot of focus um, with my mental attitude on stage. So I'm definitely a competitor thanks to her. Um so, so where, where did that end? You obviously did not make it to the Olympics. Yeah. So I was, you know, my parents always let me choose whether or not I was uh, going to do a sport myself. If I wanted to quit gymnastics at level two, I could quit. I didn't have to, even if I was like the best and I was planning on going to the Olympics, my parents would always let me like decide on my own. Mm-hmm. If I was happy, they would, you know, say you should stay in it for sure. Cause you're happy. But if I wasn't happy with it, they let me make the decision. They weren't like those crazy parents that like forced me into doing sports. Mm-hmm. So I ended up quitting at a uh, level six. I got held back a lot. They wanted to win a lot of team trophies. Mm-hmm. So I was always that one that gave them like all the points for team trophies. And so I was held back like a lot in level five and six. Mm. 
And it's unfortunate because there was one time at camp, my best friend got moved up and I didn't. And I was so angry. And so what I was, my plan and plot was to go out there and attack camp and show the coach that she made an absolute big mistake. And I am not kidding. I threw everything like souks on the vault. I threw giants on the bars. I was casting a handstand. I was doing like a full twist on the floor and all that stuff like probably means nothing to these people, but <laughs> but they're really Let's talk good. talk about sheep <laughs> yeah. and cows some more, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but anyways, like by the end of camp, she, I heard her say on the floor, like, I should have moved Alyssa up versus the other girl. And I like, that was what did it for me. It was yeah. like, yeah, you should have, because I'm a harder worker. I'm a better athlete and I will do the best I can in everything I do. Mm-hmm. And I will prove myself that I deserve that spot. Mm-hmm. Well, I like that, so. you know, cause on your, you know, in your posts, you're very upfront about this is, I work hard. And, and yes. I think that women especially get kind of stuck in this, like we have to be more modest or, you know, and, so funny you and say that. <laughs> so yep. just being able to come out and say, no, I'm the better athlete. I'm the harder worker. Like give me, you know, yeah. I, I've earned this. And I feel like guys have no problem saying that, but why is it, do you think that women, in this sport and in other sports kind of feel like they have to be more modest about it. Uh, I think it's just like back then, you know, women couldn't really stand on their own two feet. Like they weren't allowed to, it's not that they couldn't, it's that they weren't allowed to. We were very, you know, uh, we just, a lot of things just came around for women. You know, we we got to join the Olympics and I don't remember exactly when everything happened, but the women's movement has been like getting better every, every year has been more, uh, with stronger women. When I was little, there was no strong women on magazines. There was no strong women in the gym. It was like me. Mm-hmm. I could see me and like everybody else was a guy around me. Um, I think just growing You're up, talking about in the gym, not in the gymnastics. It, sorry, in the gym. Okay. Yeah, in the mm-hmm. gym. Gymnastics, like there was, there's a, there's definitely a precedent for, for a young woman to really be able to stand out be strong, have strong female role absolutely. models. Absolutely. Like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I still think like it has to do a lot with the coach too because there was a really skinny girl on our team and our coach kept saying like how she wanted us to look like her. And I was like, honestly, like I'm never going to look like that. That's not me. That's not who I am. So I want to be my like thickness. Like I want to be like big quads, big mm-hmm. thighs, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but bringing back to your statement, I thought about that. You know, I'm very vocal and I am very, I wear my heart on my sleeve and like yesterday's post that I put, like my morals, I, I'm very loud with what I say and I'm not shy at all. I'll say how it is. And if you don't like it, Mm -hmm. sorry, Mm -hmm. like if you don't like me, that's okay. There's plenty more billions of people in the world for you to like, or for me to be around. I think women are afraid, some women are afraid to be very vocal because I think we see guys as that's okay for guys to be like strong and powerful and honest and upfront. And then when a woman is like that, it's kind of frowned upon still, I feel, because we're, we live in like, I don't know. It's just, I don't know why, honestly, I've never been like that though. I've never been quiet. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's because of the way I grew up. I was just very, my dad always, my dad always taught me, you know, never depend on a man. He always said that to me. He's like, you never depend on a man. That's what I want. He's like, and also like you get food on your plate and roof over your head. And that's what I give you. It's not all the extra stuff that matters. Your hard work. And, uh, we do not, he also used to say like, uh, I always was like, why don't we have a dishwasher dad? Mm -hmm. Like, this is annoying. We should have a we should have a dishwasher. She's like, yeah, I have three of them: Bobby, Alyssa, and Abby. Mm-hmm. That's what you have kids for on the farm. It's the work. It's so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't I don't know why. I'm very just a very honest person. Ask any of my friends; like they'll all say it. That's why they love who I am because I'm just open and honest, and I have the ability to say what's on my mind. And put, people don't like me at first, mm-hmm. which is okay. And then they like work with me or they're around me for a little while, and they're like oh my gosh, you're just like, just so brutally honest. And I love it. Mm. I mean, is, is, do you think part of that is because you just, seems like you've been doing competitive sports for pretty much your entire life. Like, okay, yeah. gymnastics, then to track and field, onto CrossFit, onto Olympic lifting. Does that single-mindedness of like, I have to focus on competition, gauge success by competition to a certain degree, does that just keep you honest? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I think it definitely has to do a lot with like competition. Um, being an athlete, athletics teaches you a lot about who you are. It's very disciplined. I mean, 
always disciplined. You always are working out. You're always trying to be better. You're always focused. You're mentally trying to grow your mind with each sport, especially like your mental abilities are so broad. Mm -hmm. And think about that. Like when you were nine to age 12, what were you doing? Probably just being a kid, probably playing with Barbies or mm -hmm. playing with cars. I was out on the beam trying to figure out how to stay on the beam with these like super complex skills. Like I was trying to focus on making, how can I make my body better mm -hmm. for this sport? And how can I be better for the sport? And e I mean, even if we were competing in sports at that age, it's like there's there, for most people, there's point of expiration where they're like, okay, the time yeah. for me to be a competitive athlete is mm -hmm. over. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to run a race, whatever, maybe do a bodybuilding show at yeah. age, whatever. But you kept seeking it out. And one thing I think is interesting about is, is we, we were talking to Kelsey Keel yesterday as well. And there's this point where, you know, with soccer, with gymnastics, with a lot of the high level women's sports, it kind of funnel into CrossFit. Now, a lot of those people who maybe they would have reached that expiration point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now they say, all right, there's a place for me to go yes. and still be able to, to mm -hmm. get that. What was your, what was your introduction to CrossFit? Like, and I guess also what was your introduction to the Olympic lifts like in that setting? Um, so I was 15 years old and I was training for track and field in high school. And I realized that, um, I wasn't getting much better. It was like, kind of, I was like, get, I was like stagnant almost. Like what I, were your events? Um, ready? A hundred hurdles. Mm -hmm. um, I would do those. I would do the uh, 300 hurdles. I would do the four by one and long jump. Those okay. are my- So a races. few. A few. <laughs> more acrobatic-y kind uh -huh. of. Yeah, yeah. And um, people would always think it was funny because like the big, tall six foot girls would always get beat by the four, mm -hmm. 10 and yeah, a half. Yeah, flying through chick. the air. <laughs> Our best yes. runner on the track team was like the little tiny girl with the big legs. Yeah, because like, they're just, powerful, yeah. right? Uh -huh. They're just getting over those hurdles. Like mm -hmm. it's like nothing. Less wind resistance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Duh. Yeah, um, being tall is not help on the hurdles. I tripped over many a hurdle and I'm 5'9". So. Yeah, it really doesn't. <laughs> it's all about the athletic ability and the yeah. power and the agility and everything. Yeah, I just outed myself as not athletic. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a certain part of everybody that's a little athletic, but some people are not athletic. Mm -hmm. It's genetics too, people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I came around and my coach decided like, okay, let's get Alyssa really, really, really good at track and field. Mm -hmm. And he said, I want to take you uh, every day for the next week to a guy that does like, okay, this is when CrossFit wasn't CrossFit, right. mm -hmm. but it was CrossFit mm -hmm. stuff. Um, there just wasn't a label smacked on it. So we were doing like rope climbs, box jumps, mm -hmm. toes to bar, um, running backwards, running forward, running sideways. We were doing snatches, clean and jerks, um, deadlifts, all this strength and power stuff for track and field. So fast forward two years later, I am making it to state uh, undefeated and I was the smallest girl like ever to make it in my division. And I did really well. I podiumed mm -hmm. um, in all of my events. And then I transitioned from high school track to college track. I actually broke my foot skateboarding. Um, I was ollieing off of a five stair <laughs> and I had landed it, dang it. But mm -hmm. I had tried it again with my new skateboard because I was pumped and I oh, ollied no. and I came down and I smet like, you know how a, ball a ballerina and a gymnast point their toes? Right. Well, the ball the gymnast in me pointed my toes coming off of a good five, five foot drop mm -hmm. and I landed straight on it. And first thing I did was picked my foot up. I didn't, I couldn't touch it to the floor. And I was so, wow. yeah, and it yeah. broke. So I had a Liz Frank dislocation with okay. a fifth metatarsal break, which was basically the, it popped out of socket. Mm -hmm. um, so anyways, had surgery on that. And so I quit the track team in college. So I got like a three-fourths, almost four, full ride to University of Toledo. Um, and I basically said to myself, all right, well, you know, I'm done. Once I broke my foot, I knew I was kind of going to quit anyway because I wasn't in love with it anymore. Once I'm out of love with something, I, I'm a wholehearted person. Mm -hmm. I will put everything into it. And if I find myself falling short or if not 100% at it, I will quit because I don't feel like um, I should push myself any harder if I don't love something. Sure. Um, I'm like that with everything I do in life, with relationships, with anything. 
So that's just in or you're out. I'm in or I'm out. That's Mm -hmm. who I am. Friendships do. Like Mm -hmm. I either love you or I don't. (laughs) What did What did you think of the of the Olympic lifts at that point? Did you think like, oh my god, this is so boring. We're just doing clean and jerks all day, or were you like, no, this is cool? Okay, so that's actually something funny. I'm glad you asked that because I walked up to. He's like the trainer's like, come here. The guy that started training me like the CrossFit stuff. Mm -hmm. He's like, come here. I want to ask you a question. And I was like, okay. And this is two weeks. And talking one day a week for four weeks, uh, five or actually like two months before track season started. So I'd go two months before track season started one day a week to train with this guy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, the second week he met me, he's like, come here. And I was like, what? And he's like, you want to do another sport? And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and he's like, uh, weightlifting. I was like, no, I don't want to be a boy. <laughs> I was like, I want to look like a little boy. And he's like, no, you won't look like a boy. You'll just get really strong. And he's like, it'll be really good for your track and field. And it's something he's like the con- the way you walk up to that bar girl. He's like, you have so much confidence in yourself. It's unreal. And I was like, okay, fine. So I did what any typical. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll do I did. I was like, okay, fine. Right. I'll lift. I'll be really good. Um, I was undefeated and hit state records. I think I still hold them actually to today. Um, this was when I was 15 years old. Um, my family didn't have the money to allow me to travel to like junior nationals and stuff, but I made like big teams, um, like not big teams. That's not a big team. Um, like, but I made it to like junior nationals and stuff. You were showing some potential. Yes. I was showing a lot of potential and, but I didn't like it. So I didn't, I stopped doing it. Uh, what didn't you like about it? I just, I really, I thought it was. When you're 15 years old, I wanted to track. I didn't care for weightlifting. I just wanted to do weightlifting to get better at track. So that was my main focus was track. And like I said, if I'm 100% in, I'm 100% in. I do not want something else to steer my focus in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. So track and field was my direction and weightlifting was steering me into like a dead end. Mm. So, but it was making me stronger. So I knew I had to do it to get stronger, but I didn't want to compete in it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so then the natural question is at what point did that switch over? Because now you are yeah. competing in it. So Yeah. So then I did CrossFit for about four years and I loved it. Um, no, did, you, did you do a bikini show somewhere in there too? Oh, I did. <laughs> I wait, saw wait. that mentioned one time. I didn't it. find that. You did You yeah. did. Bikini? I looked sexy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't. Uh, I did. I looked fine. Um, now, but did you fit the Oreos into your macros for bikini? Or? That's the funny. So there's so many like little like stories I mean, just, that it, you guys are nailing right going, now that are so good. Like I, as I started to dig into your backstory, I was like, she's done everything. Like, and then you kind of come back full circle to yeah. it. But yeah, I was wondering like, if you if you thought that you know uh, Olympic lifting is a grind. Oh yeah, preparing for a bikini show oh is the God. ultimate yeah. boring grind. I'm isn't sorry, it? but it was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it was like really stupid. Like I'm sorry. I know if people love it, then that's fine. It's mm-hmm. it's nothing against you guys that like truly love the sport. Because I know this is bodybuilding.com. Like hello, we gotta. So it's all an expression of the same <laughs> yeah. ritualized yeah. mindset. <laughs> yeah, like you know, you're dedicated. You're dedicated to something. I think it's mm-hmm. cool when you're trying to get your body to look like, or to do different things. I think that's, I respect all athletes. Um, but for me, it was dumb and I did not like it. I did not like the fact that somebody was judging the way I look Mm -hmm. versus the way it's a brutal sport. It is because honestly, you have to look a certain way. You have to be beautiful. You have to have big boobs. I do not clearly. I like was not, I also ate a piece of chocolate cake the week of my Freaking ex boyfriend brought it home and it looks so good. I was just like, (laughs) really? I know. I was like, I did so well. I really wasn't. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just doing it to try to just to compete again. Sure, literally. Yeah, just to do it. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, you know, not to not to criticize you, but these are things you could have anticipated. That you're like, hey, wait, they're going to judge me on how I look. I know this is a bikini show, and nobody said anything about judging you how you look. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? I just found that it was like the girls that won against me, like. The, the way they looked compared to the way I looked, I was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Like, how did you win over? A lot of people seems like have that experience. With yeah. yeah. And it wasn't even that, like, the show wasn't even as crazy as, like, you see the girls at the Arnold or you see girls at, like, these really big pro meets. Like, these girls didn't look like that. Mm-hmm. I felt like I fit a little better into the category, but also I might have been too muscular for the category mm-hmm. I was in. These girls were a little more slender where I was a little more built in certain areas. And that's what I love about me is that I'm more built. I am more 
um, I'm thick, I call myself, <laughs> even Actually, though people don't say Two C's. Genetics is, is my C's. friend. I have you quoted as saying genetics is my friend in reference <laughs> to your ability to just kind of eat. We mentioned Oreos, but, yeah. you know, eat and not really have it affect you in a negative way. And you, you mentioned a story where you had a girlfriend that was trying to follow your diet and she had to stop because she just oh, couldn't eat like you. That's <laughs> my best friend. Yeah, there was a summer where we just like ate kind of whatever we wanted. And yeah, genetics is my friend. Both my parents, my mom's like 110 pounds and my dad's like 140 on a good day. Um, so like my parents are super tiny. So if I stopped working out tomorrow, I would be like 100 pounds, like wet. So I would, it's just, I'm very small. And right now I'm like 116, 118 around there. So like I'm way more muscular because of sports, but also, you know, I used to think that about my diet, but I like the way I eat now better than I like the, like the way I used to eat before. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I felt like crap. I woke up with like headaches, mm -hmm. stomach aches. I was lethargic. Like I felt like draggy all day. My mm -hmm. athletics started suffering from CrossFit. And that's a lot of the reason why I had to stop CrossFit. It's because my diet was not on point. And that's so important. And I didn't know that. I didn't grow up in a family of like, eat your vegetables, like chicken's good for you. You know, we have to eat 90-10 meat, 90-10, um, like we had to eat uh, like good carbs, healthy carbs. No, we had like little Debbie's. We had margarine in the house. We had big lasagnas. Sweet. Uh, we'd never like normal. normal like, diet. Yeah, literally mm -hmm. like the southern southern Midwest diet. Mm -hmm. Like that's what we did. Um, thank God for genetics because if I didn't have genetics, I'd literally be huge because I love to eat. I can for a little girl, I can put away food. Mm -hmm. um, so I just yeah, genetics was my friend. Now I like dieting. Like I like dieting loosely. Let's say that loosely, right? Like it's eating healthy. Mm -hmm. That's what I like to do. I don't like to just eat. But you, I mean, you have a very specific performance mindset now too. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. If, the, if, the, the world is watching in a little bit of a different way than maybe they were when you were just doing CrossFit even, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Like CrossFit was so... It was like, oh, I can eat whatever I want because I'm a CrossFit athlete. No, that's not true. Mm -hmm. You got to eat good. Like right. it's perf it's performance at that point. If you want to be the best, you got to hang with the best. You got to eat like the best. You got to recover like mm -hmm. the best. You got to do everything like the best. And these girls are crazy. Mm -hmm. We're all crazy. <laughs> all elite athletes are crazy. Oh, yeah. Like we will go any above and beyond any point to get to that level. And that's why we're at this level because we are crazy. Sure. Well, and that feels like the the inevitable point that all elite athletes have to get to is like when you finally realize it is nutrition, they were right all along. I tried to ignore it. But once you get absolutely. that nutrition component mm -hmm. is when you reach that next level. Yeah, absolutely. And people say they want to be at that next level, but do they want mm -hmm. to be at that next level? Because like, if you were to follow me around all day, you would probably not like most of the things. It's like pretty boring. I mean, I get up, I have my coffee and then I eat breakfast and it's a very set breakfast. It's egg whites, toast and almond butter and some vegetables or like avocado with toast, egg whites and vegetables. Like it's pretty boring, but you know, what? I've grown to love it and it's not that I'm teaching myself to love it. I kind of am in a sense, but like I'm also feel good. Like I feel really good all day. I used to feel like crap, you guys. Like or you go up and down. Oh my gosh, mm -hmm. up and down. So much sugar. Sugar just destroys you. And yeah, it's great once in a while, but like I tell you what, after switching my diet has made me a whole different person. Right. It has helped my weightlifting. It has helped I can't not be on a diet in this sport. I cannot not eat healthy because this sport is a weight class sport. So mm -hmm. you have to. Like okay. whether you like it or not, like if you want to be at this level, you have to probably make a weight cut. Like some women are like, you don't have to weight cut in weightlifting. No, you don't. Mm -hmm. But if you want to be elite level and you want to be good in your class, you probably are going to have to weight cut. Because most of those girls, there's probably one. Sarah Robles is probably the only one. She's our heavyweight. She is the only one that does not have to cut weight. She can eat like a mama, and I love it. I'm jealous of her. But now, and you, you did a fairly substantial cut. Was it last year? As or yeah, I did it two years ago. Two years ago, mm -hmm. it was 15 pounds, seven point seven, seven point seven kilos, or something Which like that. For for your body weight is yeah. I mean, I was 55 kilos to 48. 20% your body weight yeah, or something, I mean, you know? like when people say like, oh, it's so, how did they, how do they say it? You're so lean already. How do you have that much to lose? It's like, oh, you got it. 
like five pounds of that's water. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. they don't realize like there's a sauna involved, there's spitting involved, like spitting as in like getting rid of water. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just like going low calorie and not a lot of food. Like a bodybuilder's diet is so different from a weightlifter's. Like we try to keep as much lean muscle mass and like try to like keep the food coming in to supply us versus like a bodybuilder. They can kind of like go out there empty stomached and mm-hmm. be okay and mm-hmm. pose and everything, right? Yeah. But us, it's like we have to have food in us because like we're lifting a lot of weight overhead. Right. And if we can't be supplied with the right nutrients, it's probably not going to mm-hmm. happen. For sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the obvious question is how you maintained your strength or how you have maintained your strength. And then, but I also find myself wondering, like, did it just change your body composition set point to a certain degree to, to yes. have to cut that much? Are so, you, are you a different person physically yeah. after that? It's easier to be. Um, so like they say, like, uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, sure, um, sure. I mm-hmm. kind of like listen. Yeah. I love her. Um, she is amazing. Like she was talking about once you keep your body composition down for like a year, usually your body can like stay down there and I definitely see that. Like I was 51 kilo, basically 51.5 to 52 kilos all last year. And now we put a lot more volume into our training. So my body mass has gone up and I sit about 53 to 54 kilos. Yeah, that seems heavy. But at the same time, when you put more volume into your training, you're going to gain more lean muscle tissue. But yes, I see my lean muscle mass increasing versus my fat. Mm -hmm. And yes, I know I'm not fat, but mm. it's just like the composition, like from back, if you looked at me five years ago, I had a lot of muscle mass, but I also had a little chunk. Like I had a lot more, less lean muscle tissue, right? Versus uh, fat composition. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. pretty interesting to look at. Um, sure. And and, and, I, and I know people who have cut for weight classes and, and the story can end either with them being like, oh, it worked perfectly. I did it. Or they're mm-hmm. like, I got down there. And I lost, lost, I lost the strength. strength on competition day. I was mm-hmm. toast. Like, wh- how did you navigate that? Um, I started working with a nutrition company and I love them. Mm-hmm. And I still work with them too today. Uh, and what I did was I basically, the, so remember how you asked me how would I switch to weightlifting? So basically mm-hmm. what I did is my body was struggling with CrossFit mm-hmm. and I decided to switch to weightlifting. I actually decided just to strength train because I just wanted to get really, really freaking strong because I love being strong. Like it's such a sexy feeling like walking into the gym and being able to put over double body weight in a clean and jerk is like the coolest feeling, mm-hmm. but squatting is pretty sick too. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I switched to weightlifting um, just to strength train, just to get stronger. And I didn't want to compete. I was like tired of competing. Mm -hmm. So I said to myself, like, all right, I'm going to call up my sponsor and I'm going to see what he has to say and see if he wants to hook me up with Max Ada, which is my weightlifting coach now. He said, why don't you just do weightlifting and I was like, what? I was like, <laughs> no, I don't want to compete. Like the whole point is not to compete. Because right. like I said, I'm in 100% or I'm not in. So I knew, I know myself. So I told him, I was like, you know, I honestly just want to get strong. He's like, well, get strong and do a sport. And I was like, okay, I'll try it. So two days later, I call him up. I made my decision. I was like, sure, I'll try it. Fine. Fine. Twist my arm. (laughs) (laughs) So I did it. And um, then that's when I called up the nutrition company and I said, hey. Renaissance. Yes, Renaissance Periodization. Okay, yeah, yep. a lot of people. Who Nick Shaw. Yep. He was actually the person I was working with. I told Nick, I was like, hey, man, and let me tell you what. Mind you, American Open, which is the competition I was striving for, it is right after Thanksgiving, the week yep. after. And so I was pretty upset about that because <laughs> Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday and I love it so much. So anyway, so I told Nick, I was like, hey, man, I was like, I want to cut, you know, from 55 to 48. And he's like, what? He's like, okay, you realize how hard this is going to be, right? And I was like, we're not talking pounds here. We're talking kilos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kilos, that's, kilos. That's a lot of kilos. Yeah, that's yeah. seven. That's that's 15 pounds I had to lose, 7.7 kilos. And my body weight was already 55 um, kilos. And that's 122 pounds, I think. Mm. Somewhere thereabouts. Yeah. yeah, somewhere about there. And so I remember just being like, yeah, whatever, I'll do this. So Nick's like, okay. 
um, do you realize it's over Thanksgiving, all of the holidays? I was like, yes, I do. Can we just start it? <laughs> so the next Anything else you want to tell I know, me? Anything else you want to do to destroy this decision? Because it's destroying it very fast. Um, I didn't really know how hard it was going to be until about four weeks out from competition. And I did it all wrong. I did it all wrong. I cut too fast. I did everything wrong. So when I got to competition, um, I was fine. Uh, I can tell you that it was the last time I played silver. Uh, I was <laughs> I was like, I'm going to figure this cut out. I'm going to nail this weight cut. So that way, every time I go into the competition, my best asset and my um, – Basically, my secret weapon is the weight cut. Mm -hmm. No other girl can nail it as good as I can. And I'm very confident with that because I tell you what, some of the girls that cut weight, I'm just like, why? Mm -hmm. Like, what are you doing? Like, that's dumb. That's silly. But the way I cut weight is it's very strategic. You know, I don't get chances to practice a weight cut, right? I don't want to mm -hmm. practice cutting my body weight off when I'm practicing. That makes no sense because that would destroy my training cycle. Uh, weight cut puts me out usually two weeks after, and it takes me about another three weeks to get my mind back into place. So that's about five weeks it mm. takes to recover from a 49 kilo weight cut for me. So when I cut weight, I'm very strategic. I watch everything I do. I write down everything. I write down times of what time I eat, how much I weigh, uh, during certain hours, I lose about 0.08 per hour. So I write that down. I make sure that I'm writing down how much I lose from night to morning and then from mm. what time I weigh from the morning to the night and then night to morning. This way I can find everything in little holes in my weight cut or I can find successes like, oh, well, I ate this. I ate more protein today and more fat and I weighed less the next day. And a lot of that just has to do with like veggies hold a lot of right. water and so do carbs. And so like we got to get lean. Um, I have to do a water load a week out. Mm -hmm. So I load with a lot of water. I, um, so you sound like a bikini competitor when you talk about that. <laughs> right. Um, so when I'm competing, I literally could step on the stage and crush those girls. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> my body is so lean. Like if you saw me in some of my Instagram photos, I am like cut. Mm -hmm. But I look weird because my head looks a little big on my body. I do not like it. I like definitely like my like weight where I'm at now. I like that thickness. I like being a little more, mm -hmm. you know, I like feeling strong and sure. plump. Does, I like does it. Does your strength hold through these cuts? Though? Yeah, absolutely. That's why I'm, that's why it's my secret weapon because I know how to hold the strength on. I basically like this last weight cut was my most successful and my most successful weightlifting competition of my career, which is in December. I was able to cut, you ready for this, 1.7 kilos, four and a half hours out. That is so, so freaking hard. So it's like That's a like wrestler, five, man. Five pounds. Yeah, right. yeah. It's more like wrestling I would mm -hmm. compare weightlifting yeah. to because the weight cuts are pretty darn similar, except I'm not dressing in trash bags and I'm not wrapping yeah. myself in saran wrap to mm -hmm. try to lose weight. I'm literally in and out of the sauna like to like build a picture for you. Like if you would see me in the back room, you would think there was nothing going to – there. I would be nothing when I stepped on stage. Mm -hmm. You would think there was, like, no way this girl is going to be recovering from this. Mm -hmm. She is, like, literally dying right now because, like, I have, like, my Dixie cups, like, seven of them sitting around me, like, mm. with all, like, spit. My Mentos laying every, everywhere because that's what I use to chew and spit with because it okay. builds up a lot of saliva. So I, you know, do that, and then I would get out in and out of the sauna numerous times head to the weight scale, weigh myself. And I was literally in no bra, just a t-shirt, soaking wet. And I looked miserable. And I had just my underwear on because it's just like, at that point, it's like- You don't care. No, <laughs> you don't care. Like it's, it doesn't, I would walk around there naked if I could. Cause it's like at that point, I just- Staggering. Yeah, like I don't care, go ahead. Um, but yeah, one girl saw it and I remember her coming up. She saw me in the back room, mm -hmm. weight cutting. And then she saw me out on stage crushing it. And I think that's where people have the misconception is like the reality versus just the success, right? The reality of the sport is it's really hard to be able to do what I do to get on that stage and compete. Most people would never want to do it. And that's why they're not in my position mm -hmm. because I'm able to do that. I'm able to bring my mind into a crazy, dark, psychotic place to get myself on that stage to compete for that gold. And while other people don't want to do the back the, you know, the backroom stuff. I want to do that stuff mm -hmm. because I want to be successful. 
Hmm. So, so without without giving away too much, what's the secret between that hour when you, when somebody sees you and they're like, she's dying, and then <laughs> what happens between there and when you're on stage? Yeah, I don't mind sharing it because I don't. I still don't think girls could mimic it, um, and they're probably not going to watch. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I just won't tell them to watch like my top competitors. Um, <laughs> and sure, they have their secrets too. But um, basically, what I did was I two hours out. It was eleven o'clock, eleven a.m. And I cut about probably one kilo off. And by doing that, I saunaed for 20 minutes. The first trip in, the sauna was 20 minutes. And then I'd come out and spit like a half cup. And then I'd, I'd rest for about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. I put, as I was resting, I put ice on the back of my neck or on my head to cool me off. And I'd go in. I probably did about six sauna trips, anywhere from seven to 15 minutes, I would say. And then I would weigh myself in. After final weigh-ins, which is the point where you step on the scale, as long as I'm 49.00 to a T, I'm fine. I've made weight. Mm-hmm. Anything over, which I was, I was 0.02 over. I had to go back up and sauna for like five minutes. It's nothing. It's literally mm-hmm. like two seconds of sauning. And then I walked back down and I made weigh-in. As soon as you step off that final weigh-in um, scale, you have to drink an entire Pedialyte. Do not chug it just drink it. Mm-hmm. Drink it within that first half hour. So we have two hours before um, we compete. From final weigh-in, you have two hours till you compete on stage. Depending on where you're at in the lineup, depends on like if your numbers are really high, then you're probably one of the last girls to get on stage. If you're one of the like lower end numbers, you're like lower numbers, you're probably one of the first women. So I was the last. So I knew I had plenty of time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm fine. So I, you know, I'd eat as soon as the Pedialyte gets in me, it's like hydration just is like, boom, mm-hmm. I'm like hydrated again. I start waking up. But the thing, the turning point for me was the thing that I tried this time. Because this was a, like I said, I did do trial and error at these meets. And I changed two things at this meet. I did a latte. Mm. It was awesome. Um, it was a honey latte. And it was just- Okay, also a little glycogen in there too. Yeah, so like I put like my normal latte, which is like 12 grams of honey with whole milk and espresso. And it was over ice. And I had a girl get it for me because I was like, you know what? Why don't I just try a latte? Mm. Because that's like something that like I always have. Like always have my coffee before Mm. I go in and work out. But it's just normally black coffee. But I didn't want something too much caffeine because I didn't want to feel jittery on stage. So I just did a latte. And that was the point where I was like, whoa, Okay, I am ready to rock and roll. I also had another thing I did different was I ate three, do you know those sugar, maple brown sugar, Quaker oats mm-hmm. packages? I had three of those <laughs> yes. and I couldn't stop eating them. <laughs> I had to like force myself to stop because I was like, I'm going to be sick. Because <laughs> you can't have too much because what happens is if you have too much, you will get a stomach ache and you'll feel really, really, really tired when you go out there. So normally I eat. And then go straight to the competition area to like sit and chill. But this time I was like, the latte really got me like, like bright eyed versus like laying on the platform and just being like, we have to go in like 10 minutes. I'm dying. (laughs) Um, So the three packs of oatmeal, the Pedialyte, and then the um, latte and no fats because fats will sit in your stomach like a rock. So you can't do that. You want anything that's fast uh, absorbed. Sure. Mm-hmm. So like white rice, you know, like bouillon cubes have a lot of sodium in it. Mm-hmm. So you want a lot of sodium because you depleted yourself, your cells of all that mm-hmm. because you've been water, you know, cutting for the last 24 hours. And then um, you're pretty much not eating anything the day of final weigh-ins either. So mm-hmm. you got to get your food level kind of like – back up without overstuffing yourself. Mm-hmm. Really so I eat a normal amount of protein as well. Like I usually eat like six ounces of protein. Before before the meal. Yeah. Okay. So like I'll do some chicken and then the maple brown sugar oatmeal with the Pedialyte and then the latte. That's probably my normal routine mm. before I start warming okay. up. It's, it's Not dissimilar from a competitor's diet the day right. of. Really? It's, well, yeah, very similar because you're cutting, you're you're trying to get the water out of your skin to shrink wrap that skin yep. to your muscle. So very similar in the sense that you want to get all that water out. The only difference is we don't get the Pedialyte. Yeah. 
Oh, but it's also interesting, yes. like, you're, you're yeah, because you guys don't want to, like, sh- you don't want to blow up, right? Right. right. Well, my stomachs bloat when I walk out there. It looks like I'm oh, like a yeah. little pregnant, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is fine. But it sounds like you're banking on your on your body's ability to really rehydrate yeah. quickly more than yeah. anything. Yeah. So the whole mm-hmm. point is just to cut that water mm-hmm. off the last like day. It's not to get rid of the food. Like, obviously, I'm not eating anything, but come on, like, there's people out there that don't eat for seven days, like seven right. numerous days, right? Like, they don't like right. I'm talking like poor people that can't afford food. Like I am not starving because I'm not eating for 12 hours. I'll survive, but it's the water that gets me. Mm -hmm. It's like the dehydration. We try to get to a point where we're not dehydrating ourselves. We're still peeing and still able to push just a little more urine out. Um, But this point was probably my hardest weight cut ever because I cut so much off in water. Um, So that's why it was so successful because as soon as I drank that Pedialyte, guess what? all my water weight, all my sodium and everything was back. But I then do another uh, Pedialyte. And then, so I just sip on that while I'm snatching and clean and jerking. So there's like a 10 minute break between snatch and clean and jerk. Um, I also, instead of doing just a boring protein bar, because I'm sorry, but protein bars, yeah, they're great. Whatever people can say they're good. But honestly, at that point, I'm not in the mood for one. Mm -hmm. So my boyfriend was like, do a Snickers bar. And I was like, Okay. And I'm not one for like, I really am not one for like, you know, candy or bars or whatever. But I was like, actually, that's pretty smart because I seriously opened that sucker and I ate it in like two minutes. And I I like noticed that I did. And I was like, mm-hmm. I should have brought another one. Like, mm-hmm. I should have got another one. Of those. Well, I mean, I imagine your brain just lights up from oh, getting yeah. that. At oh, that it's point. just, <laughs> yeah, because I felt so good, right? Like, right. Normally, like at the end of my warmups and clean and jerk, they're kind of slow and lethargic feeling and just like, I kind of start get feel like I get crushed. And this time I was like between having the latte because I saved about half of it for the clean and jerk. So I let it just sit there, even though it was like kind of watered down. It's not like you care at that moment. Um, So it's like I drank that and then I drank uh, ate the Snicker bar and I think I ate like a half another bar just to stay like. Full. Basically, what you want to do is it's like in in between CrossFit events, right? You don't want to just sit there and not eat. You want to eat because your body has burned off right. fuel. But you also don't want to throw up. You also don't <laughs> right. want to throw up. Yeah. But CrossFit's a lot more like you lose. You're using and tapping into more systems, so you're losing a lot more um, fuel. Versus weightlifting is very quick, anaerobic. Like we're not even tapping into anything really. We're just like one lift and you're done. Mm-hmm. But still, like. From not eating all day, you got to replenish and refuel between your lifts. Mm. I, I I find myself wondering. So you know, yeah, you did cross for for a while. Now you're more much more specialized. Do you feel like the specialization and the programming that goes with Olympic weightlifting actually pays off more in terms of carrying over to just fun- overall functionality, feeling good, being able to surprise yourself with what what you're capable of doing. Like does weightlifting do that? Yeah. More than, more than CrossFit or how do they, how do they compare? You're you're just yourself as an overall athlete when you're like, all right, well, I feel, I feel invincible. Do you feel that more capable when you're a CrossFitter or now that you're a more specialized athlete? Um, I loved both sports. Mm -hmm. There's a heart. Like I still have like a place in my heart for CrossFit and I still have, like, I love weightlifting. I actually thought I was going to hate weightlifting when I first started it. Cause I was like, oh gosh, repetitive, like back squat, front squat, clean and jerk, snatch, woo, boring. And I actually thought my body wasn't going to handle the volume because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get demolished. I'm going to hurt my back. I'm going to hurt my leg. My knees are going to start hurting. Honestly, nothing. Like I feel like CrossFit is a little more dangerous in the aspect of like getting hurt easier because you're moving weights fast Mm -hmm. versus concentration. Weightlifting is very controlled and very focused. So you're, you're not lifting things like crazy, like, mm-hmm. and not paying attention to what you're doing. Every rep you have a good setup for, you make sure you breathe and brace properly and you make sure every rep is executed perfectly. Mm-hmm. In CrossFit, you can kind of get away, not not as much anymore because right. these girls are pretty freaking good. Um, like if you look at Tia, Tia Toomey that won the CrossFit sure. Games, mm-hmm. like her, the reason she's winning the CrossFit Games is number one, she's a freaking good athlete, but number two, she's very efficient in the way she moves. Her efficiency is incredible. Like she is able to move that barbell so beautifully. And I think if every girl was more efficient, like there's some girls in the CrossFit world that still scare me to death where mm-hmm. they like catch her, their cleans or like their snatches. 
And maybe I'm more picky now because of what sport I'm in. Right. But at the same time, like, I just am like, gosh, if you just clean that up just a little bit, mm-hmm. you'd be so much better. Mm-hmm. You'd be like hitting like 30, 40 more pounds in these lifts. So I feel more safe with weightlifting because of the fact that like it's more controlled mm-hmm. and it is a safer sport overall. Like it's like mm-hmm. the statistics show it. Track and field is actually more dangerous than weightlifting statistically. Um, but I... I don't know. I feel like as an elite athlete, you don't really think of your, this is going to sound really bad to people, but you don't always think about your body all the time. Like any elite sport that you do, football, basketball, track and field, gymnastics, anything, anything you do is not healthy. Mm -hmm. When marathon runners run across that line, they're pooping and peeing themselves. How is that healthy? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, when, uh, when freaking football players are running into each other with their heads or pulling on each other's helmets or yanking people down to the ground or falling from five feet in the air on their backs, is that healthy? Mm -hmm. No. How? So yeah, any sport at the elite level, I don't think is like super healthy. Like my weight cuts, they're not healthy a week out. No way. I'm not going to lie to you and say they are, but I love the sport and I love what I do. So I'm going to do anything I can to be that top sure. elite athlete. Mm. And, and it's a sport that has, you know, a, a massive global community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've now been at meets all over the world with women from all sorts of different countries. How, how diff, what, what do you learn from them and how different is how you see your sport being expressed in all these different countries? Like, is everybody kind of, kind of sort of doing variations of the same thing? Or you're like, wow, that's mind blowing how she's so different than me. Yeah. So, so when I first started weightlifting and this was just in America, I was like at one of the meets and I was in the back and my warmups were so ugly. My like, and I was like expecting to win the competition. And I was like, oh my gosh, my warmups are the ugliest back here. This is kind of sad. It looks so terrible. And then my coach looked at me and he said, do you want to be king of the warmups or do you want to win? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, it's queen, by the way, queen of the warmups. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he goes, yeah, well, just focus on winning. Who cares what you look like right, right. now? We're going to, we'll focus on like fixing that. Um, I wish like these, these girls from other countries, they're so like their technique is never different. You could see them touch the bar and do a warm up with the bar and you could see them hit a PR, like a personal best. And it would look the exact same, not all, but most. These women are very efficient. They're very technically sound. Uh, they're, they're just very, they move very well. And the difference between me and them is I don't move as well because I'm newer. Mm-hmm. I can't really, you know, two, two and a half years is very, very new to weightlifting. I've been doing it for two and a half years. Exactly. Right. Like They've I been said. doing it since mm-hmm. yeah, J8, since maybe. They probably right. were stolen out of their homes. Like they're normally, you know, like the gymnasts were from China mm-hmm. and like taken in and like, you know, forced into flexibility and forced sure. into gymnastics. It's easy to find videos of kids yeah, eight absolutely. and under doing mm-hmm. Olympic lifts all over oh, yeah. the world. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now you see like the movement with CrossFit is introducing weightlifting way more. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Cause CrossFit um, has really, really made the sport shine more mm-hmm. um, and it deserves it. Cause weightlifting is a really cool sport. Um, so yeah, I guess the thing is, is like, it's cool to be around those big athletes because what you see is, we're all pretty similar in the way we care about the sport and in the way we want to be the best. We're all very different though in the way we approach the sport. Mm -hmm. We all have our own things. Like I'm okay with like going on an adventure one day before a heavy session. And some girls are not okay with it. Mm -hmm. They want to sit in their rooms and rest their legs. And that's okay because we're all different. And we're, that's why we're different athletes. That's why we're at different levels or at the same level, but we're just different athletes. But it's very cool to learn from these girls because the discipline is unreal with these women. And it's, it's, you look up to them a lot and you see the way they are. Um, I'm very like, la la la, yeah, like in practice, like crazy and like fun and laughing and smiling. Even when I'm in the back warming up, that's just how I am. I'm very like, um, just fun. I have a lot of fun, but some girls, they put their headphones on and they don't want to look at anybody. Mm-hmm. They want to just have their own space. They don't want to talk to you. They want to look at you. And um, yeah. Mm, yeah. That was going to be my next question was, was how you prepare like that five minutes, 10 minutes before, before a big lift. Are you, mm-hmm. you're just happy strolling out on stage. Here we go. Or I'm a do, different you, do you, person do you need stage. to really <laughs> 
focus yourself. Like I need to get in my headspace. I need to have this ritual because yeah, maybe this is a ritual that they've had enforced their entire life. Yeah. You, you only have two and a half years. Do you feel like you've even really found your pre-lift ritual yet? Uh, it's, no, I don't. I just think my biggest thing is like no negative thoughts. If you can go out there and you can prepare your mind to be like, I'm going to get this. Uh, so back in December, I hit my best, best clean and jerk ever. It was a 105 kilo clean and jerk. So about 231 pounds for a 108 pound woman. Mm-hmm. And I hit that and it was like the thing stepping on that stage, there was no thoughts. It was the only, there was, I guess there was a thought, but like the only thought I had was you're going to get this. You've been practicing and you almost like, you almost make yourself cry. Like, cause you're like so excited and like, so like drawn into the sport, like, and you practice so much and you work so hard and you only get six minutes on stage. You get a minute per lift. So you get six lists in six minutes. And so you don't get much time. So when you walk on that stage, you have to be ready. There's one negative thought in your mind and you're probably going to not be able to lift that weight. You're actually not going to be able to lift that weight. You, one little doubt creeps in and you're done. So when I walked on stage for that 105, it was like, all right, Alyssa, like you've done this. You can do this. This is fine. This is light. And then I walked up to the bar and as soon, as soon as I pulled the bar off the ground, I was like, yeah, this is going up for sure. I was like, this is easy. (laughs) (laughs) And then I caught it. And I usually, if I have to double bounce, which means when I get stuck at the bottom and you have to do a couple bounces to get out, I am done. Like it's over. And my coach, if you look at his eyes, he's like, oh my goodness, she's done. She's not going to make it. And that's when I was like, I pushed my knees as hard as I can forward and I started standing it up. And then I got to the next point where I usually fail is the halfway point of standing the lift up from the clean. And I was like, oh my gosh, you cannot do this. I was like, no effing way you're missing this lift. I was like, you push those elbows up and you drive out, girl, because you're going, we're going all the way. <laughs> it's like this psychotic, like, ha, 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 <laughs> we're getting It there. all that takes place in like three seconds. It does. That's what's the most I know. Amazing. You're, you're, it sounds yes. like you're talking about a 10-minute journey here. Yeah, you you think it's like, it is it is a seconds, but you have this like, it's almost like a breakdown when you're out there hitting the lift. It's like, you know, you catch it. You, you know, you start it, you catch it, you stand it up. It's like takes like two seconds. But when you're out there, it seems like it takes years and like minutes. And that's why I have these. This is literally what went through my head when I was making those lists. Like I was just like, as soon as I hit that halfway point from standing up the clean, it was like all I could think of is like coming off that floor without that lift. And I was like, no, not this time. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to be disappointed. Like, I'm not going to feel sorry for myself because I missed that lift. Like, that's not who I am anymore. Like, I'm going to show the world that I am strong enough. I am good enough to be, like, out here lifting this weight. You know, it's not going to crush me anymore. So I stood it up, and that was the point of, like, okay, like, my jerk's 120 kilos. It's more than the world record. So I knew that that jerk was going up. So as soon as I stood up, it was like the lift was over. All I have to do now is put it over my head. And when I did, my face just was like, I did it, (laughs) (laughs) which I shouldn't have gotten excited that fast because my core was like, like a little wobbly, like a wave in the ocean. And I was laughing because I was like, oh my gosh, you got to hold it, hold it, girl. (laughs) And then I stopped and I was like, I just like broke down in tears because it was like, it was a moment in my career, in my like history of like, sports in general that like I realized that I could push past more my body was able to push past so much more than I could ever 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 thought in my life Mm -hmm. like I I know it's a lift but it means so much to you when it's your sport so like going out there and like hitting that lift was honestly if I didn't make the Olympics it wouldn't matter Mm -hmm. because that lift was like so cool. And like, I wish I could rewind it like a million times back. Cause it was like, yeah, right? I can just <laughs> keep yeah. doing it. They've got it on film. Yes, <laughs> that's true. Um, but I, like, I couldn't stop crying. Like I got off stage and I just could not stop crying. And it was like all the, and I don't want to cry, um, all the hard work and like the, everything you do is like, I'm going to cry. <laughs> it's like so crazy. Cause it's like, it's like trying to get a new job, right? Like going from like an intern and then like nailing this big job and like a big corporation is like the coolest thing you could ever do. It's like, that was that lift. It was like, 
just mind blowing because it was like, holy cow, I did that. All my hard work and all my like abilities could do that. <laughs> so hmm. I don't know why I'm crying. <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's deep. It's neat to see. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like it's the sort of thing that could set you up to be like, oh, yeah, I got to do this. Oh, yeah. I have to do this at the Olympics It's like now. it just makes you like – it makes you like – as soon as I left that day, it was like I now think I can do anything. Like there is no – there is nothing that can hold me back from like getting – why not – why can't I get 110? Mm-hmm. Why can't I get a 90-kilo snatch? Like why can't I beat China? I know. Yeah, maybe an American has never beat China, but why can't I? Why can't I be the first woman to stand on that podium and get a gold medal? You know, like why? I think, I think there's, I think it's here. A lot of the time people think it's physical, but I think a lot of it's mostly mental. And I think if we give and open up our mind to a different like area, like a different area in our brain, I think we can really start tapping into those emotions that we know we're capable of anything as long as we just put our full heart and our mind into it because we're so much more capable as human beings than we give ourselves credit for. Wow. Thanks so much for coming and talking. Yeah. This was a fantastic story. Oh, yeah, you. Alyssa Richie, we're going to be watching uh, <laughs> your journey from here to, to Tokyo for sure. Thank yeah. you. <laughs>